Welcome to this week's Henchman of Comics. I'm Alex Eschback. And I'm everyone's pal, Matt Golden. And this week we are talking about Action Comics number 1000. Yeah, we're, we're going to review the Man of Steel uh, and his 80 years of, uh, I guess you could call it excellence. Yeah, for those of you that don't know, Superman's first appearance was in Action Comics number one. So if you have one of those lying around your house, your congratulations, you're done working for the rest of your life. Yeah, it it only came out eighty years ago, so you, so you likely should just rifle through your old comic books and and maybe you'll stumble upon one. But for Superman's 80th anniversary, DC put out a mega issue bringing a bunch of all star writers and artists uh, and gave most of them five pages to tell their own Superman story, and it also leads into Brian Michael Bendis taking over Superman for Dan Jurgens and Peter J. Tomasi. Yeah, did Dan Jurgens and Peter J. Tomasi? Oh, they did have the first story, didn't they? Never mind. I'm a fucking idiot. I just read this thing and I already don't know anything. Um, <laughs> cool. Yeah, awesome. So let's start breaking some of this shit down. Yeah, I thought it was nice how the first two stories were by Dan Jurgens and Peter J. Tomasi. They both got more than five pages. It's a nice little transition or a nice way to honor the current Superman writers who I really enjoyed both their runs on Action Comics and Superman. And they're both finishing up their runs, making way for Bendis. Jurgen's story was more about people coming together and celebrating Superman Day. And Clark hating it and trying to find reasons to be distracted about not wanting to go. And he's there with his son, John, and with Lois. And they're trying to encourage him to make an appearance to honor all these people. And it's everyone giving speeches about uh, what Superman's done for them. Even someone that once led a life of crime. I felt like this story had been done before. It may have even been a Superman story because I've I've read like one of the big anniversary issues and I want to say this exact thing has been done before. It wasn't yeah, it wasn't the most exciting story or the most original, but it did have this awesome moment where Clark finally finds an excuse to get away, and the Justice League has already stopped the problem for him, and it ends with this awesome panel of all these superheroes and some villains like Harley Quinn uh, coming together to talk about how much that they treasure Superman's presence. Thought it was lame. <laughs> that was stupid. <laughs> Don't do something that's already been done. I know that you've got only 999 comics to read to make sure you're not repeating something, but shit, Dan, get on it. What'd you think of Peter Jamasi's story? Uh, that was the one with Vandal Savage. Oh, with Vandal Savage. Yeah. Yeah. It was also another one that I was just didn't care for a whole lot. I was a big fan of it. It, the art on that one was done by Patrick Leeson. The and- art on that story was, fucking incredible yeah, it was art, really really great because essentially what it is panel savage hero superman sends him back in time and we see superman in the 30s we see him in the 40s and throughout history going on all these great adventures and it's usually just one giant page with few word bubbles or dialogue bubbles each time and the way that gleason changes the art for each decade is really impressive and there was nice reference to great superman stories including one where you've seen older superman Mentioning how he went all the way to Kingdom Come, which references the Kingdom Come story by Mark Wade and Alex Rosso. is a nice throwback to a bunch of classic Superman tales. I did enjoy the title. I thought it was very, or not the title, I guess, but the, <laughs> the reference. Uh, very punny, very good. Uh, enjoyable art. That part of it was good. The storyline was like, eh, whatever. But, I mean, this is a, a jam-packed book full of good and bad. So I, I definitely just took it with a grin and bear attitude and just enjoyed the pictures. That's what I typically do when I read comics is I only look at the pictures. 
Oh, by the way, spoilers for anyone that hasn't read Action Comics. Oh, yeah. Shit. Fuck. Yeah. We did it again. (laughs) (laughs) Just like Britney. Oops, we did it again. Without the success or talent, we're pretty much just like Britney. Yeah, without the talent, the abs, the success. Yeah. Yeah. The following. Yeah, and neither of us have had sex with Justin Timberlake just yet. We're actually about to start our Vegas residency, so look out for that. Yeah, that is happening. We are just moving to Vegas. This is all that's (laughs) happening. Okay, it's off thing. It's off the strip. <laughs> yeah. We're calling it our Vegas residency to, to gussy it up a touch. Uh, the next story was done by Marv Wolfman and Kurt Swan. And Wolfman is a legendary comics writer. For those of you that don't know, he's created Nova, uh, created the Omega Men. He created a bunch of the great Teen Titan stories with George Perez. He's done a lot of fantastic stuff. And this story was one more about the people's persistence. Not so much Superman having to intervene about Brainiacs. He can control or having control of a lot of citizens of Metropolis's brainwaves and how they respond to it and their ability to fight back and their resilience. It was the one that kicked off the, uh, the five page thing. And it was good. It was a good jump into it. And it's, it's kind of hard to judge a lot of stories because after this, every writer until Brian Michael Bendis and artist only gets five pages to tell their story. Yeah. And a lot of them do a good job. And this was the first one. Uh, it was all right. Nothing bad about it. Uh, you got a guy who's being controlled by Brainiac, and Superman sort of saves the day, kind of. Yeah, it's very much it's interesting the route a lot of people took with this, whether to have it be a Superman-centric story about him saving the day, or whether Superman's impact on people and society in general, which I think is a nice way to pay homage to the Man of Steel's 80th anniversary, is his impact on everyone else, and not so much what he's done himself. Yeah, I mean, think of it this way though. He's been he's been around for eighty years. Now he's just like a crotchety old racist person, most likely. Yeah, that, that's probably it. <laughs> that's I I just assume at this point Superman's definitely a racist old man. Uh, I don't expect that story to be, but anytime if you want to pitch that idea to DC, oh, that yeah. would have been perfect for the one thousand <laughs> uh, copy of Superman. Yeah, I'm sure if you pitch that, you're like, okay, guys, how about Superman? But racist. Yeah, he's been around for 80 years. Yeah. He's old. We get it. He's old. So. You would have been escorted out of the building. <laughs> yeah. Your picture would be everywhere, not to let you anywhere within 100 yards. Marvel would hire me instantly. I got a feeling. I'm pretty sure you'd be like, okay, Wolverine's been around for a long time. <laughs> so how about Wolverine, but racist? <laughs> Captain America, literally a man out of time. How about Captain America, but racist? You guys already made him an agent of Hydra. What's worse than Hydra? Racism. I think that's the one element that these people are really missing is racist superheroes. Like, sure, they have racist bad guys, but is there a racist superhero? That's No, I don't, because then they're not a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't they just save most people? <laughs> oh, okay. I, I guess we'll move so, on. Alex clearly doesn't like my train of thought, so fuck The him. next story is <laughs> written by Jeff Johns and Richard Donner. Uh, Jeff Johns, legendary comic writer. Richard Donner is the director of the 78 Superman film. Uh, they partnered before on the story Superman Last Son. And the art on the story was done by uh, Oliver Copel. And it's again, it's another story. Superman has a heavier presence. The art is beautiful by Oliver in that. But it's about how Superman can change the minds of people and how just his presence and his actions can make people live better lives. And it's called the car. And it's about this man who's lives a less than honorable life. And through Superman's presence and Superman, not just throwing him in jail, but basically convinces them to lead a more honorable life. I thought it was a really touching, sweet, simple story for just five pages. 
Yeah, it was a very 40s uh, vibe and throw to it, it, as far as the art's concerned. So it was really cool. Uh, and it was my first story that I really enjoyed. I don't have a lot to add on to Alex's. <laughs> he just kind of broke down exactly what happened. So, yeah, there you go. It was good. The go next- read those five pages. <laughs> go read only those five. The next story is by Scott Snyder and Raphael Albuquerque. They've worked together previously on American Vampire. And they've worked on some issues together of All-Star Batman. Yeah. Uh, so they, they're they familiar with one each other's style. Uh, this is the first appearance of Lex Luthor. And I believe it's the this, only appearance of Lex in the entire thing. Uh, he shows up again, but briefly uh, in a different one. So you're wrong, yeah. and I hate you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is interesting that, let's say whenever they do a Detective Comics anniversary, whenever it's 80th, that there'd be only one story featuring the Joker. It's interesting. There's only one story that heavily features Lex Luthor, who is probably the second most famous villain behind the Joker in the DC universe. And obviously Superman's arch enemy. Yeah. Um, what do you think of the story though? Cause I know that you're, you and I are both big Scott Snyder guys. Yeah. Honestly, it wasn't my favorite thing. Uh, yeah, me either. It was all right. Yeah. It's Lex and uh, Clark having a conversation in a planetarium. And, like, and that's it. That's yeah. really it. And Superman is su- Superman yeah. suspicious of Lex Luthor for trying to be maniacal, and Lex is like, "Nah, dude, I'm just chilling in this planetarium, bro." I think the art's fantastic. And it, Ra- yeah, Raphael Albuquerque can do no wrong. Uh, in I'd my love mind. to see him do more Superman in the future. Uh, but really, I was, and maybe it's because I like Snyder a lot, anyways. So maybe my expectations were a bit too high for just five pages. If maybe was, he needs more of a long form storyteller too. Yeah, he really but does. It's really, something that wasn't my favorite thing. Yep. It kind of, some of it didn't really make sense either, I thought. Yeah, I got that too. There like, I was like, what? Was what's like, I need happening? to reread this. I need to dissect it. There's five pages, and why yeah. do I not understand what's happening? Like, it's like when I study for like my master's, I read like all these academic journals, and those make more sense to me than some of the panels on these five pages. Yeah. Why do you do that? That's stupid. <laughs> uh, but I would, if uh, Bendis wrote and Albuquerque drew, Superman would be a go-to must-pick-up every week thing. But that's not going to happen, so, <laughs> you know, whatever. And we go from one famous Batman writer to the current Batman writer. Yes. We go from Paul King, or Tom King with art by Clay Mann, who's also going to work on Batman with Tom King, too. And Jordi Belair does some, some work on that. The very, very famous Jordi Belair, who is all over the place. Uh, this is my favorite story. Uh, it is the end of the world, or the end of Earth. Basically, Earth's red, our sun has died. Basically. Yep. And the Earth is going to explode or it's, die or it's something. It's basically a giant dust ball. It's like the dust ball, but a billion times worse. Yeah. Yeah, there's no more human life. There hasn't been for, I think it says billions of years. Yeah, it looks like the surface of Mars. Yeah, it really does. And basically life's done. But for some reason, Lois lives on and he talks about his son and stuff. And basically he starts just having a conversation to his parents. He's at their, uh, at their gravesite. And nobody in five pages can make you feel the way that Tom King can make you feel. And it's insane. You don't see that it's the plaque of their gravesite until the final panel. Yeah. Either, which is a very, I mean, it's an amazing sweet moment. For five pages, it was incredible. What, like Matt said, for emotionally, what he was able to pull off. Uh, him and Clayman, just five short pages. And it's apparently Lois is still alive in this version. Yeah, uh, she's a... Uh, John's thriving, too. Yep. Cool, whatever. Who cares about John? <laughs> it's all about Lois and Superman, asshole. Uh, but yeah, Lois is, I guess, uh, never gonna ever die. So, 
Yeah, it, it leaves a lot of questions, but it's something that I hope maybe King will do like an Elseworlds version or like a what if, even though it's Marvel. I mean, he touched on it. how she's invincible now. Like she takes yeah. like this potion that makes her never but die. I'm curious to see. I, I would just like a full pay or a full graphic novel, five or six issues in that world that he created right there. Dude has got a bang up memory though, because he remembers all these things about his parents billions of years after the fact. Yeah. That's solid. That's real solid. Then we go from there to. Luis Simonson, I think yeah. is what it is. Luis Simonson and Jerry Ordway. Luis Simonson's been around forever. Uh, she's written Power Pack. She's written Uncanny X-Men. We've drawn some X-Factor too. She's been around for a real long time. Uh, one of the probably most famous early female writers of comics. Yeah, what do you think of this one? Uh, it was an interesting. It was my favorite story, but it was really the only story that focused on Clark as much as it did Superman itself. Yeah. Like what it was like to live the dual life of Clark Kent and how Clark still enjoyed being a newspaper man, even though he's all this has all this incredible power. He's essentially a living god, and he's still able, uh, and he still finds pleasures in doing the most simple, mundane things that that we take for granted. It's because Superman's boring a lot of times. That's why people <laughs> think he is the most boring superhero because of shit like that. It's interesting though that a lot of people think Superman's boring, but he also chose Clark Kent. Most obviously mild mannered, but who's also probably the most boring alter ego. Oh yeah, do you think that Clark Kent can fuck? Do you think he's like? I think he's really good, or do you think he's just like super boring? Because I bet he's just like really, really boring. Well, it's like the conversation of Mallrats, where <laughs> uh, he'd have to wear a kryptonite condom. Otherwise, but if he did, it would kill him. So. <laughs> just like a small tinge of kryptonite. Uh, so yeah, that one was uh that was okay. I liked it. All right. I mean, this kind of, I want to say the uh, the Jeff Johns really started off a string of a bunch of really, really good ones. And then we go to the Paul Dini one, which I thought was probably my second favorite. Yeah, I really enjoy this story. In fact, it's there's so much in five pages, I had to go back and double check to make yeah. sure that it was five pages. Yeah. Yeah. And it's really cool. It, it starts out basically, it's a the time after Superman. Uh, where it's like this futuristic kind of like Superman version of like the Flash Museum, where this tour guide is giving them a ride, and everyone on the ride sees a detailed history of Superman, his greatest victories, his worst enemies, uh, his death, and all that. But it gets revealed that it's Mr. Mixelpix just pulling the whole thing. It's not even real. But it, and I've always loved Mr. Mixelpix, and it's. I can't remember who he's with in the story. He's with the female companion in the story. And he laments the fact that he can't defeat Superman. And she tells him that he could erase him out of existence if he wanted to. But part of him will always love uh, having him be a part of his life. Oh, yeah. Uh, it was great. Uh, you get kind of a villain-focused story and just kind of a Superman lore vibe to it. Yeah, and it's it's cool, too, because it goes to show it's the only story that focuses on one of his villains. Yeah, and, none of them. I, well, I mean, the Lex Luthor one. I yeah, mean, but that's more of a duel. And, like, Superman's technically not in that issue or in that story at all. That's true. The, uh, uh, the Paul Dini one, yeah. Yeah, and it goes to show the impact that he had on his villains and how much he's impacted their lives. Obviously, people like Doomsday just want to see him dead. People like Darkseid just want to see him dead or... Apocalypse just want to see him dead. But so like Mr. Mixpixel, even though Superman's always been thrown aside, realizes that his life is fuller and richer with him being a part of it. Yeah. 
I liked that. I, I, I would think that I would hate that. If I, if somebody described that to me, I'd be like, that's stupid. I hate that. Yeah. But I actually enjoyed it a lot. And art on that was done by Jose Luis. Uh, Not important. Lopez has been around forever. He's a very famous comic writer. And he's got that very kind of cartoony art style that I think works with Paul Dini's writing. Paul Dini created Harley Quinn, probably mm-hmm. the most famous. He worked in Batman. They made a series. So I think they were really paired well together for that story. Yeah, that was one of the first things that I took away. Like from the first panel, even I was like, this just fits. And with that Paul last Dini. panel had one of my all time favorite DC characters in it, Batmite, which is Batman's version of Mr. Mixelpake. So that was enough for me to, to make this issue worth buying. There you go. Alex spends $8 for one frame. <laughs> I'm going to cut it out, that frame out, and hang it above my bed. That is a tiny frame. You are an idiot. Your wife made a huge mistake. The final five-page story <laughs> is written by Brad Meltzer, a novelist. He took over Green Arrow after Kevin Smith was done writing it, but he's probably most well-known for writing Identity Crisis and art done by John Cassidy, who's drawn x-men he's drawn for planetary he's been around for a long time and i i don't know what you thought but i really enjoyed this story this was another one of my favorites this one was really really good another one that i couldn't believe happened in just five pages yeah uh some of the art like with the superman flying and just a blurred city in the background while he was just perfectly in frame i thought was some really really cool art yeah great choices it tells the story of superman using his super speed to try and rescue someone when there's a man that has nothing to lose, holding a gun to a woman's head. And it's a, it's a very, the panels, you see him slowly progressing with super speed. Cause it's about that fear that he has that he will not make it in time. That he will be a split second too late before that man pulls the trigger. Which is, of course, I think one of the great tragedies of Superman is that he cannot be everywhere at once. Yeah. And it wasn't just that he was going to, that he thought that he might make it or might not make it. He knew that mathematically he wasn't going to make it, but knew he had to try anyways, just in case a nanosecond changed. He's like, it's just math. Like, I can't be there. I'm not going to make it. And have him kind of like power even harder to get there. It was was really, really cool. Had a great little Batman joke, too. Yep. It's a nice touch. Yep, it really did. Uh, Basically, the fact that Batman is better than Superman and the lady (laughs) that he saves basically says that. And that's the last of the five-page stories in Action Comics yeah. 1000. After that, we get to Brian Michael Bendis, uh, first run of Superman, drawn by legendary artist Jim Lee. Uh, Bendis, for those of you <laughs> that don't know, he created Jessica Jones. He created Miles Morales' Spider-Man. He's, he wrote Powers as well, the Image Comic, which eventually moved over uh, to the Marvel imprint. And his impact in the Marvel Universe is unmatched for modern comic book writers, I feel like. So I was really excited to see what he's going to do. And I'll say this, Bendis, I've read a lot of this stuff, and not all but my favorite, but he, Bendis has more great stuff than he has terrible stuff. So I was really excited to see what, what this is gonna, how this is going to turn out. I wasn't disappointed. I didn't think it was... I I didn't know what to expect. They gave him like 10, 12 pages, something like that, to work with. He didn't have like a full issue or anything to to really write out, but they let him flesh out kind of what's going to happen in his upcoming series, man of steel with this new villain, I think is new. It's a new villain. Yes. And basically he, the villain claims that he destroyed Krypton and maybe he says he killed his dad. I don't know. Yeah. He's basically, he basically views Krypton and Kryptonians as a plague and he is there to eradicate the plague. Yeah, I get it. Which was cool because there was Supergirl showed up for a couple panels, which was nice. Cause I always yeah. wonder like, where's Supergirl? Whenever I read a Superman comic, whenever I read a Supergirl comic, I'm like, where's Superman? Takes them two seconds to go and help their cousin. 
Yeah. So I like that in Bendis' first run of Superman, uh, Weird and Supergirl show up, and she got tossed aside like a rag doll. But yeah. it's still cool to see. She came in and helped out for a minute and then was promptly thrown to the side. It also had one of my favorite moments. You see all this collateral damage all around the city, and the villain takes Superman and throws him across Metropolis. If Superman comes to a skid and stops right in front of a panel of glass with a bunch of uh, people inside, just stopping a centimeter shy of destroying it and hurting all those people inside. And then doesn't the uh, the bad guy crush through the glass? Yes, he does. Yep. Immediately following. Yeah. Yep. Solid. Good writing. Uh, you know that that was all Bendis. Uh, brilliant. Loved it. Yeah, and Bendis generally, I think he's always been best because Bendis isn't a great... In my opinion, he's not the best at plotting a story, but he's best at characterization. And it'll be really interesting to see what he does with Superman. He's best, I think, when he has just one character to focus on and, and not like a ma- large team book. And it'll be interesting to see if he makes Superman more, if he humanizes him some, if he plays up his Kry- Kryptonian side, what rogues going to pull out for him. It is interesting, and I'm going to go back to Tom King for a second, despite the fact that we've got like four podcasts about Tom King. Tom King has really humanized Batman, and I kind of hope that that is what Bendis does with Superman, too. It would be a very nice change of pace in the DC world of comics if, while it's a backdrop of saving the day, uh, everything's more uh, focused on the human element. And Superman is humanized in the Dan Jurgens run because it's about him being a family man. Uh, but when, but then Peter Tomasi, it's about him Metropolis fighting crime. So they take him out of Holdenville, I believe it is, uh, for that story. So we'll be interested to see what he's like whenever he's not around Lois and John, or even if Bendis continues with Lois and John or drops them. Although I'm sure Lois will be around no matter what. I just didn't think that Jurgen's uh, human portrayal of, of Superman was anything refreshing or new or exciting didn't really break any new ground. It was just like, Oh, here's sort of a family tale kind of also he's saving the day. Don't, don't, don't forget about that. Like it doesn't let that side, you know, fall to where it's just like a backdrop. It's a, it's a very big part of it. And that's something that I think that, uh, King does really well with, with Batman and, and Mr. Miracle. So is there anything you're hoping for in Bennis's run of Superman? I just fucking told you. Okay. No, uh, I really hope that, uh, that he breaks a little bit of new ground. I know it's tough to break new ground on something that has literally a thousand fucking issues. Well, more than that too, because if you count all the Superman issues, yeah, that's true. You count him in justice league and other books too. Right. I hope that in action comics and in Superman, he, he does something new, uh, something that's refreshing, something that's, I, I really hope it's modern. I hope he modernizes it. I'm really excited to see his take on Lex Luthor. I'm sure he'll get around to him eventually. I haven't been announced or anything, but I'm really curious to see how he's going to build their relationship. Uh, Aside from that, is there anything that you wanted more out of Action Comics 1000? Anything that you're disappointed by? Uh, I don't think I was disappointed in the least. Like when you have a book where you've got so many writers and artists collectively doing stuff, it's not going to be 100% perfect. There's no way it can be. It's not going to satisfy everybody, every single story. If you do, then you're just a super homer and you're not being honest. So I think this was a perfect Action Comics 1000. I don't think it could have been better. Yeah, I would have liked to see someone tackle a story with Connor Kent, uh, Superboy, because he's been kind of thrown by the wayside in DC Rebirth. But that's just my own personal taste. But I do think you're right. I think in this book, there is something for everyone. Like, there is at least one story in there that somebody will love. Whether, not for no, racists. There's <laughs> nothing in there for racists. Uh, no matter how familiar they are with Superman in his comic book character, in his comic book history or not. Yep. 
Uh, I think we just summed everything up. So I don't think that I've got anything more to add. I know Alex is all out of words. <laughs> yeah, I think that's about it for me. Uh, as always, you can email us at hingemanofcomics at gmail.com. Uh, please subscribe to this podcast. Uh, follow us on Instagram, on Facebook, on Twitter. Uh, we're constantly posting irreverent stuff. So actually, maybe don't follow us on there. Just subscribe to the podcast. <laughs> for the Hingeman of Comics, I'm Alex Ashback. And I am Action Comic. Hinch and easy.